Hey everybody, welcome to Best Show Best. This is the best of the best show, the new version of the best show. And for people who don't know, the best show takes place each and every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. till midnight over at thebestshow.net. And if you uh, are new to the program, these are little bite-sized greatest hits samples of what we do every week. So check this out, and if you want more, you can listen to the full three-hour extravaganza and check it out. And if you want to support The Best Show, the way to do that is to uh, download the episodes and to give us reviews on iTunes and to tell people that the show is back and that you like it. So please check out this new episode of Best Show Bests. I'm being told to go to the to the hotline. That yes. we have a, we have a, a guest on the hotline, a very important guest. We have Ileana Douglas. Is this you? It's me from. I, I feel like I'm a president or something. I'm 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 in a broom closet in uh. the Alamo Draft House in Houston. Oh my God! <laughs> why are you? What brought you to Houston? And why are you in a broom closet? Well, I'm, you know, it's a movie theater, so you have to talk quietly, yes. and uh, they decided this was the most quiet place for me, but I am on a book tour. Uh, I'm on a tour of all the uh, Alamo Draft Houses. Uh, they're a movie theater chain, and they are showing uh, Ghost World, and you get a, you buy a ticket, and you, and you get a copy of my book, and then we're going to talk about the movie and then do a book signing afterwards. So it's been like an easy rider road tour. Wow, that is awesome. That's very exciting. Now, Ileana Douglas, when you mention your book, you're talking about I Blame Dennis Hopper. Yes. A book that you wrote. Yes. I'm going to ask you a true or false question. True or false, the book is available in stores. Yes, true. Okay. (laughs) True or false, they only printed a few copies, so you probably can't get one. Uh, uh, within a couple of days, if you don't go get it, you got yeah. You true, true. true. You must oh. go immediately to See? either Amazon or your local bookstore. Yes, that was the right answer because now you create. Because actually, they made plenty of them, but you create the the supply and demand with an answer. Well, like that. yes, that's true. Although every bookstore I go to locally, they seem to have run out of it, which I guess is a good sign. I think that's a good uh, sign. Well, the yeah. I read the book. The book is so great. Thank you. It really is so uh, so amazing. And one thing that 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 uh, I that I, I thought of the whole time reading it is that you're clearly such a fan of movies and and the history of movies and just really getting into behind the scenes on movies. And so when when you as somebody who loves movies and books about movies, you now had to write your book about movies. Was that daunting in any way? Because you know the you're joining this pantheon of great books written by actors or about movies, and this was your entry into that world. Well, I you know I've I've been working a lot with Turner Classic Movies and and you know sort of curating um, films, talking about films with them, and it just seemed like you know all my life people kept saying, "Oh, you're so funny! I, you got to you know I hope you're going to write a book and tell all these funny stories." 
but I didn't really know what the through line was. And then through my work at Turner Classic Movies and getting to meet people like Jerry Lewis and Richard Dreyfuss, the through line became for me, oh, you're kind of an insider-outsider. You know, you were... You're, you're in movies, like I watched movies as a kid, I was watching Richard Dreyfuss in movies, or Jerry Lewis in movies, then I grew up and I'm acting in movies with them, and then I'm also talking about their historical contribution on TCM, so I think that that's maybe my, my point of view in, in terms of the book, is that they're funny stories, but some of them are very personal, you know, it's not, because I've, I've had... I feel like an up-close personal view of some of these people shows them in a little bit different light. Yeah, well, that that is very true because you, you're not only coming at this from the point of view of an actor who built a career and ended up on different sets with you being in front of the camera. You started off, your grandfather was Melvin Douglas, the, the legendary actor. So you, yeah. as a kid, you were, you are like, my my grandfather was putting <laughs> planting fence posts in a field. That's what my grandfather. Your grandfather was in being there, and you were on the set of being there. Yes. Yeah, so it was. I mean, I was still at an age where you know I had a poster. I mean, I was obsessed with the Pink Panther, and I was you know loved movies. But I you know I had a poster of Inspector Clouseau in my bedroom wall. And I didn't know that, you know, people made movies. I And so going to the set of being there and watching them actually make a movie and seeing the amount of people that it took to make the movie, I suddenly, that's where my love of filmmaking took hold because I love the idea of acting in movies, but I love the whole process of making movies. Mm-hmm. And that part seemed just as exciting almost as being in the films, you know, hearing my grandfather talk about, you know, Hal Ashby as a director or watching the actors, you know, the camaraderie of them talking. They were, you know, they were telling war stories mm-hmm. the day I was on the set. So after that, then I would go home and anytime I saw Jack Warden in a movie or Peter Sellers in a movie, I would kind of personalize it in a way that I hadn't before. They became more than, you know, just images, uh, you know, from movie magazines, they became real human beings. Yeah, because you you actually saw that building of a thing. Because people, it is very surprising the first time you actually go on a set and watch how, how a movie or a TV show is built because it's completely different. And I came to it more as an adult the first time I was on a set to see how things were constructed. But did that inform how you watched movies from that point on as a kid because a you're you've seen things you've been on sets and you're seeing how they're doing take after take and b you also have you're in the family you actually have an actor yes it did because that was where my my you know i started developing an interest in the director and that's when i realized you know i my you know my grandfather placed me to you know sitting next to who I didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. Hal Ashby, and you know, but because I knew the name Hal Ashby, then you know, when I went home, it, I started putting it together. So if a movie came out and Hal Ashby directed it, then I had this context. Oh, he's the person who directed being there. So it started more. 
you know, as I said, getting me more involved in the in the filmmaking process of it rather than before. I just loved, you know, Inspector Clouseau. I loved the movie stars. But now I started getting interested in the mechanics of making a film. Mm-hmm. And did that because one thing, look, I admire plenty of things about you, Ileana Douglas. First, most recently is your book. I blame Dennis Hopper. You see how I did that? I slipped it. I made it sound so nice. I made it sound Thank so you. casual <laughs> that I mentioned the name of your book. But now me talking about it makes it less slick than I maybe thought it was. But you in addition to being an actor, you you are you write and you direct and you've run shows and you've done all of these things is is that experience as a as a kid did that kind of make you did that help you get that kind of fearlessness with that and feel like there's no ceiling on where you want where you could go with with a life in entertainment well because i think you know i i think what what it gave me was that i just wanted to be in show business like all any aspect of it seemed exciting to me you know watching the actors and being there was exciting um, you know, but then also sitting next to the director seemed exciting too, because they were two in a way different worlds. And then my grandfather took me on another set, uh, which was the movie, uh, ghost story. And, you know, again, I was seeing, it was surreal seeing Fred Astaire, somebody I, I just couldn't, I was like, I'm oh like the guy that I've watched musicals and emulated him. And now he's here acting in a film and, yeah. you know, Patricia Neal, John Hausman. And so it just kind of blew my mind to have them, you know, come off the screen and be these real life human beings that were imparting wisdom on me. And also because they had such respect for my grandfather, you know, they just kind of took a special interest in me and a special liking in me. So I think that, it, but it gave me a certain confidence of, I think, watching a director work um, mm-hmm. from a very early age. And I, al- I always just kind of found myself more comfortable, even when I was acting in a film. Most of the movies that I really had standout roles were kind of a collaboration with the director. And I didn't realize that until I got on the set of uh, To Die For. And it solidified and this is something I write about, it, like that my whole journey, I, that I wonder if it started with be, being there mm-hmm. and then having this, you know, kind of a collaboration with Gus Van Zandt where the movie is essentially two movies. Like we went up, I went up first and shot the documentary section of To Die For with Gus Van Zandt and a kind of a splinter crew before anybody else got there. So then I had, again, my secret special partnership with him, and then we shot the narrative film. So, again, it gave me that kind of insider-outsider feeling. Mm -hmm. And whenever I do a movie, I'm, you know, I'm one of the, you know, few actors that I'm I'm always, I mean, sometimes I get myself in trouble for it because people go just, act Ileana, but I'm always thinking <laughs> I'm thinking as the director too. Sure. Uh and it's it's just unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um I think that, you know, I just started to look at films critically and not just worry about my part, but worry about the whole film and oftentimes, you know, suggest music to people. I just always had a natural 
camaraderie with the director. I would mm-hmm. become the director's confidant. It just happened again and again and again. Um, but then sometimes people are just, you've had people say, and you say this in your book, where they're just kind of like, <laughs> we're kind of, who said to you, you can just don't sit next to me? Was that Buck Henry? You can't ask me any questions? Well, when I was on, when I did to die for, I mean, you know, I was, everybody I work with, I'm such a movie fan, and it was like, Buck Henry, what's up, Doc? Catch 22, you know. So that's all I'm thinking through my mind. Uh Like, you know, they're thinking, I wonder what's for lunch, you know, and all I'm (laughs) thinking is, how, how can I, how can I approach this to get him to tell me about, you know, the graduate? And so the first, couple days of course you know he's absolutely thrilled <laughs> my it's my biographer i got yeah. to see you know but by day three you saw me and he kind of he, he looked like he had that panic look like where can i go and then he you know he said eliana you can sit down but you cannot ask me any more questions <laughs> about my movies yeah. but you know that's how i feel like i'm acting in the movie and i'm thrilled that people you know may like me in the movie, but oftentimes I find for me being in the film is really just an excuse to my, you know, my own movie fan stories of somebody like uh, Buck Henry. And, you know, I, so it's like I talk to them and then I would run back to my journal and just write down everything they say. Uh huh. So, and it so, felt, did it feel like you were, you were just these things, some of it, did it feel like you were just because you love the stuff? And other things that you would use this down the road somewhere? Something that you had... Hi everybody, Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. Yeah. Some wisdom. I always feel, I always feel whenever I'm talking to people and, you know, I'm on, you know, I'm on my book tour right now and, you know, Jerry Lewis said to me, you know, you aren't anybody unless they're leading you through the kitchen. And so tonight I hit Houston, you know, and they said, we're going to take you in the back way. And they were walking me through the kitchen. And I thought, Jerry Lewis, <laughs> you know, so they do stay with me. And I guess that's the movie fan part of me. I've never, you know, I've retained that kind of childlike delight in like, I can't believe I'm here. This is incredible. And so sometimes, yes, when people say something to me, it's as if a bell goes off and I, I remember it. Uh, and if I don't think I'm going to remember it, I make sure to write it down so that I will remember it. Because a part of me, as a film historian, feels that it's important, you know, to pass these stories on because I just think, you know, movies are such an art form. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're in this day and age now where it's like we're just it's so close to the end of you know watching movies together and i remember what that feeling was like being a kid and watching jaws 600 kids screaming and going to a drive-in and 
seeing Dusk Till Dawn movies and, and just how nostalgic it was. And I feel like we're just at the, the beginning that those days may die out. And so part of the reason I wanted to write the book was just to show how much that I felt, you know, that movies press so many emotional buttons for me. Like, I don't remember dates, but I remember the movies or the, you know, the movie stars. And, and somebody like Dennis Hopper with a movie like Easy Rider, you know, one movie, I really believe, changed the course of filmmaking, mm-hmm. um, changed America, you yeah, know, change change my family, change me, and well, there's many other people that feel that way too. Yeah, well, you really go into how it changed your family. It's a pretty it kicks <laughs> off the book that people should read the book. I blame Dennis Hopper, but in a nutshell, your dad sees Easy Rider and then gets super caught up in that lifestyle, and you're you're kind of normal well well relatively well to do or well to do life suddenly went out the window yeah as as we <laughs> because i was suddenly surrounded by 20 hippies who all look like Dennis Hopper you know with yeah. choppers and you know uh, a band going to peace rallies and you know and and that's what the movie you know, it, it predicted, again, this rise of the counterculture and college students. And people were so affected by that one film. You know, by the time you get into the 80s and 90s, I, I think with, you know, movies like Albert Brooks' Lost in America, you know, we're, we're almost kind of pick, poking fun out of, at it. But we forget the importance of that at the time. I mean, my parents were like, they were never the same after they saw that film. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It shook them up. And so their values changed me. I mean, you know, I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. But all those kind of rebellious values uh, have stayed with me as an adult. And I was lucky enough and privileged enough to actually get to meet Dennis Hopper and work with Dennis Hopper and be able to tell him that he changed my life. And not everybody has a chance to do that, but I I feel that, you know, so many times movies are there when we're down or, you know, they cheer us up, they're our friends, you know, and and we kind of wave from, you know, because it's so embarrassing lately to, like, you know, have any feelings, any nostalgic feelings about going to the movies, but I just have so many fun memories of like movies my dad took me to movies my mom took me to we still talk about that movies my grandparents took me to sure and you would be able to talk about difficult subjects because you saw it in a movie mm-hmm. yeah you know, that was something you know you i remember like with my parents you know they'd take me to these art movies you know that were like you know, like we saw Amacord. I was like, what the hell was that? You know, like, what am I seeing? And then, you know, afterwards, you would go to ice cream shop and, you know, they would say, did you understand that movie? Of course, I didn't. But, uh-huh. you know, you <laughs> sort of pretend that you did. And, mm-hmm. was... and, but all those memories are important. Sure. No, and it, it informs it informs so much, and then you figure if it informs you, now you're informing. You've you've made so many great movies and been a part of so many things. You are spreading that. Uh, you are moving that down the line, 
and uh, and the book. I again, I, I the book. I blame Dennis Hopper. Is it's really uh, a really great look into so many things, uh, movie wise and career wise, and it, you you weave your personal life and your love of movies together really in, in a really outstanding way. And you um. One thing you talk about is that you actually, you actually, and I'm not going to, like, when you sit down across from somebody like Marlon Brando or these people who you go your whole life seeing as these icons, and then it's like you see them as actual people, it's like that, I've always felt that that's one of the strangest things whenever you meet somebody who's been larger than life and then they're actually mm-hmm. in front of you and maybe they're even shorter than you or something like that. Right. Like, but you actually, you didn't want to meet Marlon Brando when you had a chance to, to meet him at first. No, because it was, you know, it just was, when I had this, you know, opportunity, you know, we're going to meet Marlon Brando. I just thought, no, I, I can't. There's just no way he's too, he was too cinematic for me. I mean, again, I I had a poster of him on my, you know, in my wall. I remember, like, unrolling my poster. I remember moving to my apartment and bringing my Marlon Brando poster. And, you know, he just meant so much to me as an actor. And I just thought, how could you meet someone? Like, what could you say to Marlon Brando that's not going to come off as insipid, and uh, so I ended up being forced to meet him. And, but then in the context that we met him, he ended up uh, really responding to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I couldn't, he, you know, he locked, I don't know, he just kind of locked eyes with me. And I just found myself getting like incredibly emotional and I just, I could not hold it back. So I just told him from my heart what his movies had meant to me. And, you know, next thing I knew he was, I was crying and then he was crying and it just turned into this crazy. So like everything that I was, uh, you know, afraid of embarrassing myself, it just ended up being uh, a real like truth session and, and he ended up getting something from me, which was like so incredible. Cause I think also we put these people up on a pedestal, you know, but they've, they, you know, they've got real lives too. And we're so afraid to see something because we feel like we're going to be embarrassed or we're going to say the wrong thing. And I feel sometimes like if you're, if you just speak from the heart, you know, you, you're going to be okay. People will sense that, that, you know, that, that, their movies have really meant something to, to them. And I tried to articulate that because I think that each day goes by and we're forgetting about Marlon Brando. You know, we remember the scandals or that he was overweight, but we forget the impact that he made as an actor. Mm-hmm. And those are all the things that I was trying to write about in terms of my meeting with him is I felt as if I saw a side of him as a, uh, you know, as a man before had maybe, you know, destroyed uh, the best part of him. But his movies will be there, you know, forever. Sure. But but I, I felt a certain, I feel a certain responsibility to be able to communicate that and articulate that um, as a film lover. Sure. Well, as somebody who, you, you clearly love movies so much and you take it seriously, 
I, I think your book does justice to to what you believe in. So uh, you did such a great job. It's it's a really oh, great thank, book. Thank you. And I'm gonna I'll let you get back to your screening, and I'll let you get yeah. out of a broom closet. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank thank you, Eliana, for making the time and and calling in and and telling us about the book. And people should check it out. I blame I, Dennis Hopper. Now, okay. one question I do want to ask you. On the set of Ghost Story, um, yeah. the guy who screens calls for me wants to ask this question. Um, yes. He wants to know what the craft service table was like. He thinks there was probably a fair amount of hard candy on it. <laughs> for, you mean for older gentlemen? <laughs> yes, because they would have a lot of Werther's uh, is what he's guessing. No, I have to tell you about that movie because, you know, the, all the gentlemen were in their 80s and three, all three gentlemen, Douglas Fairbanks, my grandfather, and Fred Astaire, all developed pneumonia because they kept making them shoot these scenes, you know, out in the snow. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, you know, they never complained about I couldn't believe, like, these huge stars... And again, it was such a learning lesson. We're getting dragged. Oh, yeah. And one other, the other guy who yeah. works here wants me to ask you about. He's a big ride enthusiast, and he wanted me to ask you about the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. Oh, the, my! It's, we could could possibly be you know the, my favorite thing I've ever done. Sometimes people will come up to me, and you know, I try to guess. Is it going to be Cape Fear? Is it going to be Stir of Echoes? Yeah. Is it going to or, be Action? Or, you know, and, or and the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster? Or, and sometimes, it's the Aerosmith, and I, they go, you have a super stretch. Make it a super stretch. And for people who so, don't know, this is, where is this ride? It's in Florida. Okay. It's in Florida. Okay. And uh, we got to go down there, and I, you know, I'm, from Massachusetts, so it was a great thrill to work with Aerosmith. So you um, you were like in you host the ride with them or something? Is that what it yes, is? Yes, it's a little movie that that is. You, you, I think you can even watch it on YouTube. It's a little movie that you see before uh, the ride begins, mm -hmm. and I play Aerosmith's manager. Okay, so you see, Ileana, I'm more. <laughs> I want to ask all about being there and. All these good I movies. I got one guy asking me about the craft service table for <laughs> Ghost Story. The other guy's asking about the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. I don't know. I'm I, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do here with this uh, uh, with my team. I think we have to have a meeting either. after the show. This this seems yes. like a this seems like we need a post show uh, meeting to all get on the same page. Yes, I'll. Uh, well, you know, you can you can see all 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 three of those. Uh, the the I'll tr I'll try to comment on all three of these post show. Okay. Memo. Thank you. Well, Ileana, thank you again for calling in. The Ileana Douglas. The book is I blame Dennis Hopper. It's really great, and thank you for taking the time out. Thanks thank so you. much. Have a good night. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. See, that was nice, right, Mike? She's awesome. Yeah, she is. And you got your question answered, right? And Dudio got his weird. I tell you, Dudio is outpacing Mike now. Dudio is making a real push. We're closing out 2015 on a strong note between, uh, what is it, Sarsaparilla, the singing gorilla, and then.
uh, and then he wants to know about the rock and roller coaster. Mike's Mike's like yeah, Mike's like yeah, turning into like yesterday's news. He's like the old model of upsetting me, <laughs> right? Thanks again, everybody, for listening to Best Show Best, and I want to thank Martin DeGrell for uh, supervising the episodes. I want to thank Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Martin Sellis, Brendan McDonald, AP Mike, John Worcester, of course, and you. And once again, listen to The Best Show live each and every Tuesday night on your computer at thebestshow.net. Thanks so much.